Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Glory to God. So today we're going to talk about um, reigning in life. Reigning in life. Hallelujah. Reigning in life. We're going to talk about reigning in life. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Let's read it together. Want to go? For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more... Th- Sorry, hold on. Who are the those? Hmm? Who are the those? Who are the those? Alright, it says, much more those who receive what? Abundance of grace... And what of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Say after me, I reign in life. Make it louder. Say, I reign in life. life. He says, you reign in life by the abundance of grace and of what? The gift of righteousness. Number one, the abundance of grace. And number two, what? The gift of righteousness. Of righteousness. We reign by whom? By Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Um, it is important. I'm going to pick firstly the gift of righteousness. How many of you know that you have the nature of righteousness in you? You know that by now in TSP that we are just. He has made us just. Glory to God. So you are just because of what Jesus did on the cross. And this is your identity. This is who you are. Let the pictures of what Christ has done define how you see yourself. Let the pictures of who you are in Christ be your identity. So that whenever you are responding to life, you are responding to life from first nature. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? You are responding to life from what? First nature. What did I call it? First nature. What is your first, what is your first nature? Your first nature is who you are in Christ. That's your first nature. If, for example, like we always say, that man is spirit, all right, you have a soul, you live in a body. um, Who you really are is seated in the heavenly place, far above principalities and powers. That's That's your primary, your first default positional setting. That's who you are. So you are seated far above. So you must never respond from the place of soulish nature. You must always respond from the place of who you are in Christ. And if you do that, you are living, you are not coping. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you do that, you are living, you are not coping. So always respond from first nature. What has Christ done for you? How do you respond because of what he has done for you? That's first nature. How do you interpret your life? That's first nature. From the perspective of the cross. So let's start with the gift of righteousness. We are righteous in Christ Jesus. Not because of our works. But because of what he has done for us. Hallelujah. If you read the book of Romans. If you flip back to Romans chapter 3 from verse 1. You will see how God here is on trial. Just because he's making the unbeliever righteous. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, it says, what advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? 
much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not indeed. Let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Now, stay back in, in verse 4. Um, that you may be justified. All right? You see that you there. That you there is a capital Y. So that's talking about God. That God may be justified in the Y there is also capital letter in his words and may overcome when God, are, are you following this? When God is judged. So um, Romans chapter 3 is actually talking about God being on trial. Why is God on trial? God is on trial because he made you just. People, somebody called God and, and said, stand in the, what's the name of that, the lawyers, what's the name of that? In the dock. Stand in the dock and we're going to try you. Why did you make Pastor Phil just? And God is now defending himself here in Romans chapter 3. If you read down, he, you will see where the scripture says that he may be just in making the sinner righteous. That he may be righteous in making you righteous. And from verse 4 down to the end of this chapter, you see how God is just in making us righteous. Now, the word just, how do I, how do I say this? The word just is, is one of those words in the Bible that doesn't mean the same thing when it crosses from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So, so you see how the word just begins to change when it moves from Old Testament and it crosses the intertestamental bridge. When I say intertestamental bridge, I mean uh, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is um, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you move to the New Testament. So when the word just moves from the Old Testament to uh, those bridges, the bridges of the Gospel, and then it comes to the New Testament, it changes in meaning. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that when it means just in the Old Testament, it can't mean the same thing it meant in the Old Testament in the New. Because the concept of God travels from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Just like when the scripture says, for example, uh, the path of the just is like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. Do you understand what, what I'm saying? So that your life is making progress just like the sun, just like the womb of the morning that, you know, the sun, is, uh, the sun comes out early in the morning and begins to get brighter until 12 noon. So when it gets to 12 noon, uh, it's the brightest at that moment. So he's saying that the perfection of that 12 noon is the way the believer's life is, that your life is moving from one stage to another. Can I say to you that your life is better this year than it was last year? Do you agree with me? So you are on a journey. So he says that when you take the word just, for example, and you move just from, um, from the Old Testament, it changes in meaning till it gets to the New Testament. 
And you see that clearly in the scripture. Because if you understand the mind of God and scripture, you will find out that the interpretation of God's mind begins to come to bear in the New Testament. How many of you know that Jesus is concealed in the Old Testament? But in the New Testament, he's revealed in the New Testament. So uh, the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And from the New Testament, it is the Old Testament revealed. So if you are reading, for example, the Old Testament, what you should be looking for is Jesus. And that's the reason why um, someone like um, um, Paul will, will say that in the reading of the Old Testament, when the veil is taken away, where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. So when he begins to say that, he's saying that... I, uh, Paul was not reading 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, and Acts to the early church. What he was reading are the books of the Old Testament, the books of the law and the prophets. But in the reading of the law and the prophets, he was bringing Christ out. So when Jesus was talking to those two men who were on their way to Emmaus, the Bible says that he began from uh, the law to the prophets, the things concerning himself. So he was talking about himself from Genesis. So when you read Genesis, you will see Jesus. When you read Exodus, you will see Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says that you see Jesus in all of that. Like for example, the scripture we read that when Joseph, no, when Jacob saw the things that Joseph sent to his father, he believed that his son was alive. Now, if you see the types and shadow of Jesus in that story, the things that came with the brothers is like the type of the Holy Spirit. That when you feel the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus actually died, he was buried, and he rose. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you can see the pictures of Jesus in the, in the traces of the Old Testament. So, for example, you cannot, you cannot say that all the books in the Bible have the same weight. Yeah, because if they have the same weight, for example, the word just will not change in meaning when it travels through the old to the new. So, you can't compare, for example, the book of um, Romans that is talking about your justification in Christ with the book of... What's that book that uh, Paul wrote about the slave? That, uh, the, the, Ones, uh, um, Philemon. See, you can't, you can't compare Romans with Philemon. They don't carry the same weight. Philemon is saying forgive something. That's why the book is short. <laughs> you, for example, you can't compare Hebrews with Jude. Hebrews that is talking about a matter. Clearly. You can't compare Hebrews with Jude. Put the five books of the beginning together, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You can't compare those five books about the law. You know, sometimes when you quote the book of Leviticus, you sound deep. Do you understand what I mean? When you just quote one line, you will sound as if you are a Bible scholar. <laughs> See, you are, you are not deep without Christ. <laughs> you don't understand. You are not deep without Christ. So you can't compare Genesis, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You can't compare them with, with Ephesians. Those books are about the beginning. Ephesians is about before the beginning. 
It's about who you were. You were predestinated in Christ before the foundations of the world. So there are books with different weights. Are you following what I'm saying? There are books that have different weights. So when the Bible says rightly divide the word of truth, it means that you have to follow the storyline. You have to understand. So the word just is one of those words. That in the Old Testament, just means the one who is without offense. That's what just means. So if you see a just man in the Old Testament, a just man is the one who did not commit the sin. That's a just man. A just man is the one who was not part of the iniquity. That's a just man. So, for example, I mean, those of us who were prefects in, 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 in school, or you're a class prefect, the teacher told you, everybody who made noise, write down the name of the person. So, the ones who made noise are the people who are with the offense. But the ones who are quiet are the ones who are without the offense. The ones who didn't make noise, that's the just one. And have you noticed that because responsibility is on you, you do what is right? As the prefect, you are not making noise. Because you are watching those who... <laughs> so, in the Old Testament, the one just is the one who doesn't commit the offense. But when you come into the intertestamental bridge... That's the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You begin to see another concept of the word just. And you see that in the life of Joseph. Where somebody is called just. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. Somebody is called just because he didn't allow the law to complete its course. See, see, that's... At first, you are just because you obey the law in the Old Testament. Are you following my story? Then in the bridge, somebody is called just because he broke the law in the middle. God is trying to say something. See, he says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example. Now, according to the law, to make her a public example is the law. So that if, if Joseph made Mary... Who came and told him that she had she, she, she's, <laughs> she's pregnant by Zeus? <laughs> that the angel came and then, he, I mean, just you think about put yourself in, in put yourself in the, in the shoes. <laughs> but this man refused to make a public example of Mary, and then the Bible says he's just. That he, the law stops halfway. The Bible calls him just. So God is trying to say something. That when you come, when you cross from the intertestamental bridge, the weight of just begins to shift. It now shifts, but if you see all this from what Joseph has done to the meaning of just in the Old Testament, it's still within the boundaries of action. Are you following what I'm saying? Because he was called just because of something he did not do. But somebody else is called just in the Old Testament because of what he did. But if you come fully into the new covenant, oh hallelujah, you come fully into the new testament, the word just changes its meaning. That it is not about what you did, neither is it about what you did not do. That the weight of the meaning of just is resting on the fact that Jesus has done something. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? 
So you are loving him because you could never be just without him. So if you read, if you read Romans chapter 3 back, if you, if you keep reading, let, let's keep reading. Let me just quickly show you. I'm going, I'm going to wrap up very soon. Quickly, Romans chapter 3. Let's keep reading down. Next verse. Next verse. Certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? Next verse. For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? <laughs> I wish I could explain this. Somebody is accusing Paul of saying that God is taking glory because when you stand, when you put God beside a sinner, the glory of God is more amplified. So somebody is accusing God of being, you know, um, um, how to, taking advantage of our sin. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That, you know, when you, when you bring a healthy chicken and a sick chicken, the sick chicken is obvious because you put it beside a very healthy chicken. So, so they are accusing Paul of saying that God is taking advantage of the fact that we are sinners because he uses that to show that he's righteous. So they are now saying that why should God take any glory if God needs us to be glorious somebody getting what i'm saying so so the the god is on trial god is the one on trial now keep reading keep reading i don't i don't have time to and why not say let us do evil that good may come since god needs our evil all right as we are slanderous reported and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just Next verse. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks. Now move to verse 19. Let me show you something. Verse 19. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Lift your hands up and say, I'm not under the law. In this church, we know that we amplify only one picture. And that's the fact that we are not under the law, but we are under grace. That the word just, when it crosses the cross, it, wow, when it crosses the cross, eh, it ceases to become about what you did or what you didn't do, but it's now about what he did. Do you understand it? So one more time, say that we're not under the law. Alright, it says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Saying that whether Jews or whether Gentiles, everybody is guilty before God. So the Jews have nothing to boast about, because they are circumcised, as if to say that their circumcision has given them an edge over those who are not circumcised. Next verse. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Do you understand that? Move to verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now say, I'm freely justified by his grace. Alright, verse 25, it says... Whom God set forth as a propitiation, mercy seat, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, Kai, oh my God. In his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. See, what they are trying God for is not for the sins that you will commit. 
let me let me let me explain this god is on trial why are you making sinners righteous because sinners committed sins in the past they are committing sin in the present and they will commit sin in the future now a lot of people in church have a problem with understanding that god has forgiven your future sins well how can you say to me pastor phil that the sin i will commit tomorrow that god has forgiven me that, that that's not even that's not even a big deal you all know that by now the real issue is not even the future sin that is forgiven because the blood of jesus that was shed even before you were born right is speaking from that moment of the cross forever so that even your present sin and your future sin is covered by that same blood that was shed so why god is on trial is not because of future sins that's not the problem god is on trial because of the sin that happened before the blood so he's on how about those who were alive before jesus was born and they died before jesus was born they were in sin what blood saved them because the blood that saves us is an eternal work of redemption that the blood continues to speak from the moment it was shed from that moment going forward so your future your present sin is not a problem the, the real problem is the past sins of people like, for example, Adam. Which blood saved Adam? If I had the blood of Jesus go back into time and make it look as if Adam did not sin. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? So he's saying that because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That's what he's saying. Next verse. Let me show you something. Verse 26. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God saw that Christ was going to come. And he put in credit their righteousness on Christ. Because the certainty of Christ's coming. Know that he was slain before the foundations of the world. Are you getting my point? So that whilst you think that you were in the past of jesus you were actually not in the past of jesus because the certainty of jesus's coming is revealed in the in the in the fact that he actually did it before he the foundations of the world is somebody hear what i'm saying so god is apart from trial now so god says that i am just in making even people like adam just and i'm just in making you just that i don't stand to be tried how can God go through this trial and you think that you are not righteous? Is somebody getting what I'm saying? The greatest challenge in the church today is when people think that they are not righteous. Do you know what the gospel reveals? Somebody tell me one thing that the gospel reveals. Bible students. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. That's what the gospel is about. So if you don't understand it, you haven't started with the gospel yet. You haven't. You know Jesus died, you know he was buried, you know he rose again, but if you don't know it in your spirit, you can't reign. Because the way we reign is by the gift of righteousness. What is the gift of righteousness? It is what the gospel is revealing. How can you think that you are... You, you stand blameless before God. And someone is saying that we are encouraging people to sin. That person doesn't really understand grace. Because the, the, word, the word gift there 
rules out the fact that it is licentious. I don't know how to make this clearer to you. The word gift of righteousness there, it rules out the fact that this matter of righteousness that you have by faith is a licentious type of righteousness. No, it delivers you from the penalty of sin and it delivers you from the power of sin. So, you stand blameless before God. So, um, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The next verse says, in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, then verse 17 says, that therein is the righteousness of God, what? Revealed. That the righteousness of God is revealed from the gospel. What is the gospel trying to say to you? Friends, hear me. If you are invited anywhere to preach, let the primary focus of your message be that the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel. That is what the scriptures is all about. That if you divide the word of truth, are you getting what I'm saying? That if you divide the word of truth, we've preached many things before. I was a student pastor. I mean, I pastored for many years before I came to Abuja in, in campus. The things I used to preach were things that were off. But how God blesses people is his mercies. Are you getting it? It was his mercies that he, God will bypass your doctrine to bless his people. That's how God loves his people. God doesn't care about what you know to bless you. You didn't always know what you know now. But you are here. You are still here. So how did you survive still being here? Because God was still deliberate about you even without the things you needed to know that you didn't know. So the things I used to preach, I used to preach works. If I read an article that I wrote, my God, I read an article, see fire and brimstone. See fire and brimstone upon the readers. <laughs> I looked at her, I said, Phil, now you be this. I didn't believe myself. So we have preached stuff before, but see, let there be a revolution of your thoughts. That the first thing you want to amplify is Christ and Him crucified. That in your conversation, what did Paul say? I don't want to know anything other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why is the him crucified important? Because many people read the scriptures and they see Jesus but they take Jesus raw. Or they take Jesus with water. It's, it's called DJ. The DJ ministry. Not literally. But you know what DJ does? The DJ is a mixer. They say, come on, take small grace here. Use lot to drink it. Come on my friend, take your lot. Eat your lot there. Eat your works there. They give you a small biscuit bone of grace. Then give you a whole pot of law to wash the small grace. Those are DJ ministries. I'm not condemning anybody, but even me, I was there. Are you following what I'm saying? My dad used to teach these things now. My dad used to teach things that were before the cross. Do you understand? After how many years? It's humility. After how many years of being in ministry? He came to us in church and said, look, all the things that I've been teaching you guys is wrong. I want to start from the beginning and teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know when God gave him the name, the meaning of the name Calvary Life, God actually gave him that name, but he didn't know what that thing really meant until the spirit of God began to reveal to him. Life from Calvary, cross. Standpoint is the same. Standpoint 
from the cross. You are seeing yourself from the cross. That's what standpoint means. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we used to teach off things before. But rewire your perspectives that it is about Christ. So whatever it is that your conversation is, let Christ be the discourse. Let Christ be the foundation. That whatever is built, it must be built on that foundation. So you can't talk about forgiveness without talking, talking about it from the perspective of that you have been forgiven. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So say after me, I have the gift of righteousness. Do you know it is righteousness, consciousness that will make you actively declare your stand? If you don't have righteousness, consciousness, you can't be bold. Check it. If you don't have righteousness, consciousness, you can't be bold. Because you will feel like the meaning of the word just is in the Old Testament that there is something you have not done or there is something that you need to do that will hinder you from getting what you should get. So you can't really put your foot on the ground and make a declaration. You can't because you don't have righteousness, consciousness. So many of you know the gospel but you are not doing the gospel. One of my sons, he's here right now, he, he, he wrote that he's tired of life. That he wishes he was not born on social media. I will have a word with you after service. You can't wish that you were not born. We thank God that you are born again. See, it is that kind of talk that, it is that kind of talk that springs from the place of not knowing that you are righteous. That you are a new creation. You don't have the identity of before. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things, not just old sins, all things, your experiences past, that when God is looking at you, it's as if what happened to you did not happen. Go and look at the, the story of go and look at the story of Sarah. Sarah laughed, but Hebrews said Sarah did not laugh. It passed away. How can you be judging yourself from the spectrum of your past? As if to say the work of the cross is of no effect. You can't be in that. It means you don't have righteousness, consciousness. You can't even look at yourself and make a word of declaration and say boldly that I am healed. You can't do that because you feel you've not been praying. So why should you be healed? How can you be in that place? It is lack of righteousness, consciousness. You can't see a demon here. And, and if you, Look, when you see Satan, you must... The consciousness of the fact that you are righteous... You don't need the, pre, the pre-walking. Man of God, go and prepare yourself before you cast demons out. Are you joking? I like demons because they are obedient. They know who know. Huh? And they know who don't know. He said, he said uh, sons of Sceva, you remember what happened to them? I command you to go in the name of the Jesus that... Paul preached. That was without revelation of who Jesus is to them. You know Jesus according to the revelation of the Jesus Pastor Phil is preaching to you. But you don't know him for yourself. You don't know that you can actually walk on water. Because the lack of righteousness, consciousness is not in you yet. So even though you are hearing the gospel, you are still dull of hearing how can you still think that low self-esteem is your problem? You know why? Because you don't know that all things are past. You have a new identity. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have a new identity. 
You can't define yourself from the perspective of your past. You can't do that. All the bad things you did, all the evil that you did, all those negative things that happened to you, it is not you. I said to you on Sunday, separate your identity from your experience. Because if you failed, doesn't mean you are a failure. What Satan is trying to do, he's trying to make the healed look as if he's sick. I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. Come on, say that with me. I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. Do you know there were times where Jesus was, there were times where Jesus would pray. And when he prayed, the Bible says that people would throng at Jesus. Early in the morning, from maybe 4 a.m. and he begins to pray. And when he gets to the, uh, the breaking of day, you see all men gather around Jesus. The sick is brought, I mean, the lame is brought, the blind is brought, and he heals everybody. But there was a time Jesus didn't have the opportunity to pray. He was in the boat and he was sleeping. And he was in the face of a storm. So when did he pray? He woke up from that sleep and said, peace be still. It is righteousness, consciousness that makes you, without feeling that there is a need to prepare myself. No, no, no. It says, be finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What he's actually saying is that you cannot be strong in yourself now. Because if you are strong in yourself, your strength can't save you. Your strength cannot save you. He said, put on the whole armor of God. That when you wear the armor of God, to Satan, it is God. You saw the story Pastor Dan Ado gave. That, that a, a woman who was feeling rejected, feeling rejected, nobody cared about her. Nobody loved her. You know, even a hello, she didn't get a response from people. But she got into Mickey. Mickey Mouse, that in Disney Island. She got into Mickey and she put on the costume of Mickey. And all of a sudden, all the children began to throng at her because she was wearing the mask of Mickey. Children love Mickey or Father Christmas. She wasn't accepted because she was out of Mickey. But the moment she was in Mickey, you are not accepted by yourself. But the moment you are in Christ... You become accepted. For if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. You are, not, you are not standing by yourself. So he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. And if you look at all the armors, none of them is yours. None of them is yours. The, the breastplate of righteousness, he says, he says, be strong in the Lord. I know you are strong, but wear armor. Huh? How many of you have watched 300 Spartans? You see their chest, mighty chest. 21, six packs, I mean. Sorry, six packs. <laughs> or some of us that have one pack. See, as packed as the Spartans were, you know what killed them? Arrow. <laughs> arrow is what killed them and that's the reason why the Romans are better fighters than even the strong Spartans one Spartan can kill about 10 Roman soldiers one Spartan because the one chest alone is like your full body your full <laughs> thorax <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying one, just one side of the chest is like your full self up <laughs> but it's not by Agidi. He said, where armor? What is the armor? The breastplate of righteousness. 
It says that you are in Christ, but sometimes you don't put it on. So he's saying, because not everybody in this room is putting on the armor of God. And that's the reason why you don't have righteousness, consciousness. Some of you feel that the best is not for you because you lack righteousness, consciousness. Why do you think that you will not get it? Because you don't see yourself in the light of Christ. My brother, wear armor. Eh, just wear armor. Don't worry. You can't be strong in yourself. Because even the pastor, if he wants to stand by himself, the Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rag. You know what filthy rag is? The word filthy in that scripture is it describes, <laughs> it describes the menstrual cloth that a woman uses. That's the literal meaning of the word filthy there. It describes the mental. So, so he's saying that even you're right. God, see, Jesus will not even come back and quote me. Yes. Jesus will not come back and meet anybody morally perfect. Yes, sir. So he, God knows what he's doing by using the foolishness of the cross to making you righteous. You think God is foolish? You think God hates people? You think God wants people to go to hell? If God left salvation to us, see, nobody will make heaven. Nobody. Mankind is in one chance. Nobody will make heaven. What am I saying? That you should go ahead and do what you want to do? No. It is a gift. You don't, you don't, you honor the gift. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's the gift of righteousness. Then it says the abundance of grace. The abundance of grace is in the fact that we have the lamb slain. Are you getting what I'm saying? The fact that we have a perfect sacrifice. That's, that's the lamb slain. When you see Jesus, you are seeing Jesus from the perspective of the fact that he was a lamb who was slain. John saw him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. That's the abundance of grace that you've received. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Lift your hands up and say, I have the abundance of grace. Say again with me. Say, I have righteousness, consciousness. Do you know, before some people pray, they feel guilty. There's a sense of guilt. There's a sense of guilt before you start to pray. It is lack of righteousness, consciousness. Post E said, head or tail, you win. Why? Righteousness, consciousness. That everything is working for your favor because you have righteousness, consciousness. So back to the lamb slain. Did you know that it is because of the lamb you are perfected? That the priest will have to examine the lamb. When he examines the, perf the perfection of the lamb, that's when he sees that I can confer righteousness on you. Because you are not perfect, but the lamb is perfect. So if you read Exodus chapter 12, it tells you what happened that day, uh, on the day of the Passover, that the expectation is that they had to eat the lamb raw, right? They had to eat the lamb raw, and, and the people were not saved because of what they did, but they were saved because of the lamb that was eaten raw and the blood that was put on the lintel that when he sees the blood he will pass over that's the angel of death are you trying to say to me that over 2.5 million people the Israelites at that time were doing what was right hmm. imagine 2.5 million people iniquity you don't understand what I'm saying iniquity they could not have been doing what was right no that's not the story but what said that there were some Egyptian firstborns that were morally more upright than even some of the Israelites that were saved. They didn't have blood to speak for them. Are you getting it? 
So never pride yourself in your... No. There were some Egyptians that had gone to school. They, 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 had, they were more advanced mentally, psychologically, and emotionally than the battered slaves of the Israelites who were unstable. They were more upright. Some of them were brought up well. But it was not their morality that saved them. It was the blood. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. That's where the concept of the... God said that I am satisfied. He says, he will see the travail of his soul. And he will be satisfied. God will look at Jesus traveling on the cross. And God is satisfied at it. One man wanted to sue the Jews for crucifying Jesus. And that's, the, that's a foolish thing to do. You don't, eat, you don't eat the lamb raw. You eat the lamb roasted. What is the roastedness of, of Jesus Christ? It is the fact that the judgment of God has come upon Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that judgment of God is no longer on you anymore. God is not angry with you anymore. For the person who is here thinking you, you want to commit suicide because you feel nobody likes you, um, things are not working out for you, you are slipping into depression, hear me. God is not angry with you. God is not your, God is not your problem. God is not angry with you. There is no problem with you. There is nothing wrong with you. Because 2 um, um, Corinthians 5.18 says, and all these things are of God. If any man is in Christ, Jesus, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and all things have become new. Then the next verse says, and all things are of God. That what is new in your life is not of you, but is of God. That your new identity is not in your past, but in God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So the lamb slain, the lamb slain, we eat Jesus and roasted, not raw. We don't see Jesus on face value. We don't see him on face value. We see Jesus raw. I mean roasted. Some people add water to Jesus. They will give you grace, but give you water. With works. That determines your salvation? God forbid. I wrap up with this. The priest in those days had two goats. There were three red threads that the priest would use to symbolize the dealing uh, of the sins of the Israelites. There were three threads, two goats, and one goat is for the bond offering. The other goat is for the one, the one that's called the scapegoat. So the first thread is on the horn of one of the goats, which is the bond offering. The second thread is on the the scapegoat. Then the third thread is in the temple. So the priest keeps that thread there. So when the Israelites come, the, the priest transfers the sin of the Israelites and puts it on the scapegoat. Are you getting it? Saying that all your sins are here. And that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus was our scapegoat and he was our sacrifice or our burnt offering. So our sins were put on Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? Our sins were put on Christ. And then when that goat is burnt, the other thread in the temple is kept there. But that other scapegoat is led to the wilderness. Now in that wilderness, there's a mountain there that the priest leads the goat to the mountain and at about the third day pushes the goat from the mountain so that the goat falls down and dies. 
And that's what happens. That the reason why Jesus will be in that place of Hades or that place of death for three days is because he was our scapegoat and he was also our perfect sacrifice. Now when that goat dies, there was an exchange, sin upon the goat, the righteousness of the goat and the blessing of the goat upon the people. But you see, that blessing is still hanging because the other goat is still alive. Is somebody getting my picture? So that goat that is in the wilderness that is still alive, it is, the blessing is spoken already, but it is still hanging. Because if that other goat dies, it's an evidence that the blessing will come on the people. So when that goat is dead, the other thread that is in the, in the temple automatically turns supernaturally from red to white. So when the priest sees it, he knows that that goat is dead. And it becomes white. And all of a sudden, there is a blessing on Israel. Now when Jesus died, the blessings that were hanging, oh God. All the blessings, that, that's why the Bible says all the promises of God, they, they could not be yes before he came. They were hanging so that the sin of mankind was put on Jesus. But the blessing was still hanging until he died and he rose. When he rose, it's like the thread becoming white. And so we can now say that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus, they are yes and they are amen. It says that we say the amen of it. Hallelujah. So these things are real. That the blessings of God has come upon you. You are not just forgiven, but you are blessed. Because there is a passing over of curses over you and also a passing to you of blessings. That's how much God has blessed you. So we reign in life by the abundance of grace and by the gift of righteousness. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? I reign in life. You have nothing to be afraid of. Are you getting it? Don't judge your life circumstance by the circumstance. Judge your life from the cross. The Bible says, if I be lifted, I will draw all men unto me. You know that men there is not, I will draw all men. The men is in italics. So it's not saying I will draw all men unto me. If I, and he said, if I be. Oh man, unto me. Lift Jesus high. Lift him high from the world. See. If I be lifted up, I will draw on me. Do you have that scripture? <laughs> Use the KJV. If you read John chapter 12 and you go back down, you see he's talking about judgment. He's not talking about men. He says, I will draw judgment to me. He said, when I'm lifted on the cross, God is not angry with you. All the judgments that are meant to be yours rightfully, that were supposed to come on you. The Bible says, even the lawful captives will be delivered. When you stand in prayer, stand in confidence. When you see your future, see, see Christ. There is no difference between my expectation and Christ's expectation. That's why I will apprehend that for which Christ apprehended me. Because it is one. It is connected together. My life is not separate from Christ. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So you have a future in God. You can't give up now. Look at your neighbor. Shake your neighbor. Say you can't give up now. 
Are you blessed today? How many people here have righteousness consciousness? How many of you know that you will reign in life from now? Let me tell you something. This is your real deliverance. This is your real deliverance. It's not just about live in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of darkness. It's not that. The Bible says, through knowledge shall Israel be delivered. Shall the just be delivered. So you may be just and not know these things. You are in bondage. Hallelujah. Say these words after me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I'm justified by faith. I have the righteousness consciousness. I reign in life by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness see I'm righteous in Christ and because of that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus I say yes to them I say amen to them in the name of Jesus celebrate God now this concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.